Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message kicks off our At the Table series. In this series, Jesus invites us to commune with him at the table and to mimic the variety of guests he dines with. Today's message comes from Luke 9, verses 10 to 17, where we read of the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. At the Table, here's where we're going. So the series uh, in general is we're gonna talk about the meals that Jesus had uh, in the Bible. And so as you read through the Bible, often Jesus is going to eat at someone's house. There's a whole bunch of, uh, of stories about that. He has parables where he talks about meals. And so we're going to kind of dive into some of those meals um, and, and, and see what Jesus has in those for us. And there's a couple of overarching themes. Um, there's a couple of overarching themes that you're going to feel come out during the series. The first one, and I hope it's obvious, um, the first one is God has an abundant amount of space for us at his table, right? And so if if we think about heaven, um, Jesus says often, like, it's like a wedding banquet, and and in Jesus' time, those things were multiple-day feasts and just wild uh, wild parties pale in comparison to what we do today. Like, just these, these massive things. And, and Jesus says, there is plenty of room. There's plenty of room at my Father's table. And so, like, God's a God of abundance, and heaven is going to be huge and full. And so that's one thing. And second thing that's going to be an overarching theme that we're going to talk about is that we have room at our table. We have room at our tables. And, and some of us maybe think we don't. Maybe we don't have room. We, 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 maybe we don't want to make room. Um, but we, we have room at our tables. So that's kind of where we're headed. Now, the, the first famous meal uh, that we're going to read about is the feeding of the 5,000. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, hey, like, plan a meal for 5,000 people. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but we're going read to about, read about this. So where are we starting? 10. Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, book of Luke is about yay far back in the Bible. Luke is the third one of the Gospels, which is the, the narrative stories that Jesus, about Jesus' life. So third one of those, Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible or device pulled up, it will be up on the screen. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to surrounding villages 
and countryside and find food and lodging. We are in a remote place here. Jesus replied, he replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Come on. All right. Anybody heard that story before or a version of that story? Anybody heard that online? Watching at home, you've seen that one? Yeah, so maybe this has come up in the past. And so this isn't a totally new concept, but how does this associate with what we were talking about? There's a curious statement in there. So it starts off and says, the disciples returned. Jesus had just sent out the disciples. He had just given them power uh, to drive out demons and to do miracles, to make, uh, to heal people. And so they had just come back of returning from that trip. And when they went, Jesus said, take nothing with you. Just wear the one tunic you've got and the one pair of sandals you have. Just go. Don't take any food. Don't take a bedroll. Just go. So then the disciples come back from that and they are sharing stories and they're saying, here's all these things that, that happened. Here are all the, the demons we were able to pray out. Here are all the healings we were able to do. It was amazing. Jesus and people took care of us. It was awesome. And so then... That day, a crowd of 5,000 men, which is probably more like 10, 12,000 total people, gathered around Jesus to hear from Jesus. And Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Now, out of, out, out, without the context of he had just given them this power to go and do these amazing things, and they'd just come back from doing those amazing things, it seems like a silly way to... Silly solution, doesn't it? You do it. And so, here's what can happen. The disciples had just experienced the supernatural, right? They had just been a part, each of them had just been a part of healing, of driving out demons. They had seen amazing things. And Jesus says... You brought me a problem, you solve it, and where do they go? Well, I don't know if the grocery store has enough bread. They instantly go practical. Well, we don't have enough denarii. We, Jesus, we, we can't buy this much food. I'm not sure what you're thinking. I, I wasn't there. But I promise you, Jesus did one of these. <laughs> I was probably muttering under his breath, serenity now. You have to be about my age to get that one. <laughs> Seinfeld fans, where are we at? Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Like he had to be like, guys, it was yesterday. Come on. Disciples just experienced all of these amazing things. Presented with a new problem that was really the same solution, right? It's a different problem, but the solution is the same. They went right back to what is a scarcity mindset. There's not enough. There's not enough. Jesus, there's not, Jesus, you're not aware. There's not enough. And Jesus is like, guys, I sent you out with nothing. And you were provided for. I told you specifically, take nothing with you. And you were provided for. Guys, come on, enough with the scarcity mindset. Because what Jesus is trying to teach them is God is a God of abundance. Now, let's be clear. A God of abundance does not mean everything is going to go great, right? Just like I talked about with Riley and Gavin, like, hey, this doesn't mean that your life is just going to be super easy and simple. It just means that we're in it together. God being a God of abundance doesn't mean that our lives are going to be simple and easy and it's going to be leave it to beaver. Hi, June. Nick at night. Like, you're going to have to watch that on Nick at night. It's nowhere else. Or whatever that channel's called now. I don't even know. That's not the way it works. God being a God of abundances means that there's more than enough God to go around. There's more than enough grace. There's more than enough peace. There's more than enough hope. God is a God of abundance. We have to lean into him for it, though. Because that can be true... And we can be existing removed from that truth. And we can feel like there's not enough. That's something we have to lean into. We have to choose into for that to be true. For that to be real for us. So. One thing that I've learn. So I've, I've been to uh, Cambodia, I don't remember, eight times. My wife also doesn't remember. Eight-ish times. Uh, it's a third world country in Southeast Asia. It's not in Africa. That's Cameroon. Totally different countries. Totally different people. It's amazing how that works. So been there a number of times, and here's something that I've learned. People who, people who live in scarcity, right? People who live in scarcity, that means that they literally don't have much. They, they can have an abundant relationship with, with Jesus that means that they live with this attitude of abundance. Case in point. Uh, the town we go to, it's called Badambang. Uh, kind of in the northern middle part of Badambang, there's this huge slum. And we used to walk through there and pray, and we did ministry 
there. And so we would go and kind of hang out with some of the families there. And the first time I was in, in that space, it's about a square mile. As we walked through every house that we stopped at, the people living in this place, and these are shanties without floors, every place that we stopped, they offered me food and drink. Every single one. Now, I love tea, and I was sick of tea by the time I got out of this place. Because I had so many glasses of tea in this two and a half hour span of time, and it's 110 and I'm drinking hot tea. But I didn't hear or understand that everything that they were saying, but I'm pretty sure they were saying, white guy is sweating. They weren't living a life where they were thinking, this is my last little, little cup of tea that I can make. I better not share it. They weren't living a life thinking this is, the only, uh, this is the only little bag of food I have. I shouldn't make it for this stranger. They were living life Though their resources were scarce, they were living life with an attitude of abundance. Something else that I've experienced. Those of us who live in abundance, those of us who live in abundance are stuck believing that there's not enough. Case in point, there's a study that's been done <clears throat> study has been done and this is a young professionals it's been over a 20 year span they started asking them when they were graduating college so college graduates if you're in their house congratulations good luck and wherever you're going um, they asked college graduates how much how much is enough for you how much money is enough for you not to worry how much is enough for you not to worry about money and they gave them how much you are, they had them answer how much you're currently making your first job out of college, and then what's enough. And so the overwhelming answer was 50% more than I'm making today will be enough. They checked in with these people every five years. So there were five times they checked in with them. Five times over 20 years. Did the answers change? Every time they asked, they had them, what's your current salary? What would be enough? Every time the overwhelming answer was 50% more than I'm making now. People who live in abundance are stuck believing that there isn't enough. We live in abundance. We do. There's enough. 
There's enough. The challenge is trust, right? The challenge is, is, is trust. Do we trust God for real to provide? I don't know. You have to ask and answer that question for yourself. Here's something I want you to think about. What's one way this week that you can trust in the abundance of Jesus? What's one thing you can do? Casey's ice tea machine is broken. I've called their main offices. What's one way you can trust? Because what we, we attack this as a community, right? We, we are a community. That's, that's the idea of church. It's a gathering of followers of Jesus in community to, to feed off of each other and, and to worship together and to praise God together and to watch each other and see how uh, we are all living in faith, but each of us has to make individual faith decisions. So what are you going to do? How can you trust God? How can your family trust God? to lean into the, his abundance over this next week. What can you do? One thing that all of us can do, um, one thing that all of us can do is uh, communion. So one of the, um, <clears throat> one of the sacraments, so there's two sacraments in our church. It's uh, baptism, which we already did, and then it's communion. So communion, um, the idea is really pretty simple. Jesus gave it to us um, the night that he was betrayed. So it's known as the Last Supper. Jesus gave us this concept of, of communion. And he, he did a couple of things uh, that were absolutely mind-blowing. And I can't explain all of them today because I don't have the time because we have a lot of things going on today. Um, but the first thing he did, they were all sit sitting down at a meal. Hint, hint. That didn't work. Arrow, you said that would work, and that did not. Um, they were at the table. Still nothing, okay. Jesus, they were, they're having a meal as a Passover meal, and um, Jesus flipped the script a little bit, but one of the things he said, so he handed out bread, it didn't look like this, it looked different than this, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you, do this in remembrance of me, up for them. Hey, there we go. Do this in remembrance of me. So he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
trying to give to connect to them who he really was. And he was the, the lamb of God slain for our sins. And Jesus wanted to make that clear to everybody. So then after they had eaten, the text says after they have supped, but nobody knows what supped means. And it's not like a high school kid greeting. Sup. <laughs> My kids, it's sup, bruh. What? Sorry. I promise you, this is not how communion is going at the other campus. <laughs> Welcome to Haywarden. <laughs> I should not do these things when I'm this tired. Okay. After supper, after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup, and this is a really important cup. Um, it was the cup of wrath, the cup of redemption in God, and he took that cup, and there was wine in it, not grape juice, but it, you get the point. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink. And remember me as often as you do this. Jesus was replacing the Passover story with himself. And not everybody remembered it. Like they didn't really understand what he was doing at the time. It was hard to, they didn't have the idea of Jesus' die, death and resurrection. But he gave this gift, this gift of communion to everybody. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And so, this is our gift to our church. So those of us who are baptized followers of Jesus, this is a chance for us to come and, and be present with God in some mysterious way. We don't really clearly understand how this, how this all works, but, but Jesus did this and asked us to do this in remembrance of him. And so we as a church approach the table together to do this in remembrance and so that's the opportunity we have. So if you're here today, you're a baptized follower of Jesus, you're welcome to come to the table. You're going to tear off a piece of bread and dunk it. You can dunk it in the, in the grape juice, either cup. Take your time. Be thoughtful. Who is Jesus to you? What has Jesus done for you? What grace have you received in the name of Jesus? And be reminded of that at this table. We don't need to rush through anything. Like brunches are run until two, you got time. Like spend some time at the table. Pray, pray with each other. Pray as a family. Like pray, pray on your own. Like don't rush. If you're here today and you're not a baptized follower of Jesus, would love to. Would love to talk to you about what it looks like to say yes to Jesus, surrender your life, to, to walk through believer's baptism. Would love, love to do that with you. So I'm gonna pray. Uh, and then Kelly, if you're here, would you man one of the tables for me? Thank you. I'm gonna pray and then uh, well, you guys can come on up and start taking communion. So Father, uh, thank you for these people, this gift of community. Lord, may we lean on each other 
in the good times, in the hard times. May we be celebratory knowing that you are abundant in all things, that we can trust you to be abundant with us because that's what Jesus told us was real. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.